Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Hello and welcome to The Outer Hour. Every Wednesday, 7 p.m. is when The Outer Hour is on. Radio today on 1485 a.m. around the Johannesburg area, around South Africa and the African continent on DSTV Channel 869. And you can listen on the TuneIn app. You can also watch the show, as you may be now, if you've pressed the play button and welcome. We'll say hello to you in just a moment on Facebook Live. Go along to Outer's Facebook page and press play. I'm Tom London. I'm your Outer Hour host this evening. What are we talking about tonight and who is on board? Well, we've got quite a team tonight, I must tell you. There they are, standing by. Look in the top. Where do we start with? Let's start with the ladies. Stefani Fick, in the bottom right corner of your screen, the head of accountability at Alta, will be chatting to us about Dudu Miani and the latest news on the delinquent director appeal. What has happened there? Well, she'll give us the latest in just a moment. Uh, and uh, Stefani will also give us some uh, feedback on the IRBA and Janitha John stepping down as CEO. We'll discuss that. If you've got any questions or any comments to make, pop them in the comment section down below. We'll make sure they get passed on or as many as we can get passed on to the team. Then we have the lovely Asavela Kakaza, who hasn't been with us for a while, so we welcome her back in 2021. Asavela is a legal project manager at Outer, and she will be telling us about the COVID-19 expenditure work that Outer is doing. Outer has its eyes on the money. And then Julius Kleinan's executive manager, the public governance division at Outer, will join us this evening to chat about local government elections, and perhaps he will touch on the filth that is in our river system, specifically in the Vaal River and the Human Rights Commission's report that was released about the pollution levels in the Vaal River. We will touch on that this evening. Now, the essential ingredient in the show is you, of course. What we need from you is a hello, because we love saying hello to each other. I think it's a very South African thing to do. We say hello, don't we? How's it? Dumelang, Sani Bonan, Mulweni, Boreda, Shalom, Salam Aleikum, Bonjour, How's it? I've run out. <laughs> uh, but you are the essential ingredient. So please don't be shy. Make sure you comment in the comment section down below. And uh, we'll put as many of your comments and questions to the team members tonight as possible. Now, behind the scenes, we have quite a team. Banela Sinatla is the producer of the show. And in the comment section this evening, you've got the head of communications and marketing for Outer standing by, Samantha Van Nispen, and assisted by Ivor Cleary. So where you see Outer, you've got the comms team in the comment section doing games with the team members and the team behind the scenes in the comments section and uh, let's start the show off shall we by saying hello to you so who was first up tonight in fact tonight is a uh, first up is an outer outer team member Rudy Heineke says good evening I don't know if I can do Rudy's voice because he's got a very deep voice yeah Tom Good evening, Altarians. Something like that, right? Rudy Heineker says, good evening, Altarians. Brendan Slade, a familiar uh, voice to the show, says, how's it, folks? 
There's the outer team. Good evening, Mr. State Capture, says outer. Obviously saying hello to Rudy Heineke. Sharish Sani says outer. Our last line of defense in South Africa. Leonard Hine has joined us. He says good evening, outer team. Thanks for doing a great job. Ivan Nell is on board. Hello, Ivan. Or is it Ivan? Hello, outer, says Ivan. Nice to have you on board this evening. Wandise Boyd says good evening, outerians. How's it, Wandise? Good to have you on board too. Alan Wallman says hi from Tel Aviv. I watch your program every week. Thank you, Alan. I'm going to make friends with you because on my bucket list is a trip to Tel Aviv someday. I've heard it's quite the place to visit. Uh, so, uh, In fact, you can just put in the comment section if you've got a spare room. <laughs> that might just be mine someday. Uh, right, Sharon Dudley Brin says, Viva Alta, Viva. Barry Grunewald says, put her away forever. Who is her? We'll find out, I'm sure. Well, perhaps the subject of our first topic tonight. Right, who else have we got here? Uh, Kara Rack says, good evening from Musenberg. Yippee, I never have to go to court again. Just ignore the precedent has been set. Yeah, perhaps we'll put that question to uh, Stefani, Kara. And I believe there was uh, some, uh, some drama in Cape Town today where a gang of, of youngsters went into a fancy car shop and bashed all the cars. Was that in Musenberg or Milneton? Uh, probably Milneton, not Musenberg. And Mil Musenberg's normally quite uh, peaceful, eh? Uh, right, Marina Mulberg-Smith says, evening outer team, and more people will join us as we go along. Do remember to like and share this program. That's how we get the word out. That's how we get more South Africans participating in the show. Devosha Mudley says, hi, everyone. And uh, Alan Warman says, great city. Uh, he's obviously referring to Tel Aviv. So we have people joining us from all over South Africa and all over the world this evening to discuss the issues that affect you as South Africans, expats or local residents. Uh, and there are enough issues to keep the show going every week at 7 p.m. So thank you for joining us. Let's start with our first topic this evening, shall we, and chat with Stefani Fick. Stefani is going to give us the latest. You may have read uh, the headlines just a few days ago. The, uh, the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein heard the, uh, the appeal, uh, Ms. Ms. Mieni's appeal, and, uh, and came to a conclusion. Well, it's a victory for Alta and for civil society who were asking for her to be declared a delinquent director. But let's get the details from Stefani. How's it, Stefani? How are you? How's it? I am all good. I think um, this has been a good week so far. You know, always lots to do. But if you could get good news like this, I mean, it just, um, it, 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 it feels like I want to say it's pumping. It's pumping in the house. So yeah, we what, what are, happened? Uh, so um, I think I think the easiest way to explain it is that, and this, this is how I think um, the the um, hopefully famous Carol um, Sandberg has said it: is that the way from here for Dudu and her legal team and trying to you know appeal this or not be a delinquent director is an uphill battle. So what happened on Monday is the judgment with regards to the enforcement order. Remember, she was declared a delinquent director, but obviously she appealed that. And we knew that um, she will not be happy with whatever judgment. If the judgment was not in her favor, she is going to appeal this judgment. So we also asked the court for an enforcement order because if a court gives an order and there is leave to appeal or an appeal process, that order gets suspended. So we didn't want this delinquent order to be suspended while Ms. Miyeni has the opportunity to drag the appeal process on forever. 
but what was very interesting, so the appeal, uh, the, the monetary judgment was about her appeal against this enforcement order. Okay. But what was interesting is that because she was not granted leave to appeal the main judgment, in other words, um, Judge Shul May, who declared her delinquent director, also said to her, you know what? I'm not going to give you leave to appeal. You have to go to the Supreme Court of Appeal and ask them. Now, they only had um, a, a, a number of days in order uh, uh, for them to file their um, petition to the ACA. And guess what? They didn't. So their petition lapsed. So they now have to ask the, the Supreme Court of Appeal for condemnation. They have to say, sorry, we filed our appeal late. Please give us condemnation. Now, while all of that is happening, what it means is we don't need an enforcement order because the judgment of Judge Shul May declaring her a delinquent director is now full in effect. She must resign from all the boards, all the um, NPCs or companies that she is a director of, must immediately make sure that she is no longer a director. So Judy McKinney is officially from Monday a delinquent director. You mentioned that the, the organizations and companies she may be a director of have to remove her as a director. What is the process? Does she have to resign or do they send her a letter and say you've been removed? Is it a board resolution? Well, I think that the, 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 she is now disqualified. So in terms of the, the Companies Act, if I understand it correctly, she is now um, um by law, by the working of the law, which I think it's ex lege that you, um, is the clever term, um, is she is now disqualified from being a director. But we all know that there are processes and so forth. And we all know that she is, for example, um, part of the Jacob Zuma Foundation. So one wonders whether anything will happen um, because it's the right thing to do. Um, so she should. All right. If 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 you were the type of director um, that takes these things seriously and that takes your job seriously, you should have resigned. You you should have removed yourself from 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 a from a, a, a board of directors. No one should write letters or force you. You should have just stepped down. Now, um, one should take um, into account that. The, the longer she remains on this board of directors, there's legal consequences. Um, and that your board may not be properly correct and your board may, may not be properly um, constituted um, and may not be able to take the necessary action that is, you know, that is that that a board is supposed to take. Now, there's a lot of other legal consequences. Mm. If there's anyone in the audience that, you know, knows company law off by heart, by, uh, please um, assist us. But you know what? If 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 if, if this was the the um um the type of director that you want to be part of, um you know your board of directors, and that we wanted to be part of SOEs, um, firstly the person would not have been declared a delinquent director, but secondly, there would not be this effort to to try and get her removed. 
We're watching former President Jacob Zuma say, I'm not going to go to the Zondo Commission, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. It's precedent setting. Now, we know that uh, Durumieni is uh, part of the Jacob Zuma Foundation and obviously close to the former president. What happens if Durumieni, and here's a question from Ivan Nell, how long does she have to resign? What are the implications of, being, of her being non-complicit? So what happens if she doesn't resign? What can the courts do or what are the remedies? We will definitely consider, I mean, we, we've come this far. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think you can approach a court. You have a remove. And, 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 and you can take, I mean, she is literally in contempt of court. Each and every day that she remains a director of a company, she is in contempt of court. So for each and every day, she does not comply with this order, Technically, we have a contempt of court claim against her. And what, is a contempt of, is, what does it mean if there's a contempt of court claim against her and she is guilty of being in contempt of court? What is the punishment for something like that? Contemptuous behavior, it, it really depends on where you sit. And I think um, Judge Zondo sits in exactly the, the, the same position. Um, Savela, you um, you recently studied um, these things. What I understand from 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 content of court is that you are con you, there's contentious behaviour. Um, but basically, I think the easiest way to explain it is there's an order, and you do a court has now told you something. And in this instance, you are the lingual director. You are disqualified from being on a board. Now you say to a court, "I'm not going to listen to you." That is content. And in very rare cases, you can go to jail. Um, civil contempt, um, um, I don't think in, 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 in civil contempt proceedings, there's a lot of case law where it shows that, you know, people go to, 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 to jail. But I can tell you that if there is a criminal case for contempt of court, that the possibility of, of, of um, you know, a person like Dudu and even though the, the, our former president may face direct imprisonment. Also, Vela, would you agree with me? Is that, do I understand it correctly? <laughs> um, hi, everyone. Yes, Stefani, I completely agree with you. So contempt of court is a crime like any other. So a court would obviously preside upon it. And then the court has a discretion with regards to the sentence. It can either be a term of imprisonment, it can either be a fine, or whatever the case may be. It can be even a full-blown trial um, with regards to proving, you know, the elements of the offense and of the crime. So, yeah, I share yeah. the same with you. Maybe we'll get an orange jumpsuit soon than than, than, than we hoped. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a lot of confidence in that, judging by some of the comments I'm reading in the comments section at the moment. Everybody going, well, hold on a moment. If you're in contempt of court and you're still sitting at home and nothing's happened, what's going on with the justice system in this country? You may have heard uh, Julius Malema's uh, response to the State of the Nation address uh, yesterday when he was accusing the justice system and specifically uh, a certain uh, a minority of judges. He said a few judges uh, as being corrupt. Your, your response to that? Know what I think one of the um, and I think it was one of the politi uh, uh, political commentators that said that um, you know what it's one thing to disagree with the president or telling the president where he can do better or you know the state of the nation address we all have our criticisms and and you know good criticism and positive criticism of course 
I mean, I think we were one of the, you know, uh, I think a lot of people that said, you know, the, the president didn't address how we're going to solve all these problems. You know, those four points that were very important, how are we going to address it? But you know what? You don't go right, you know, straight out and be, um, you know, play the, the ball, not the player. You, you don't tell, um, um, you know, I don't like you because your mother dresses you funny type of thing. That is low IEQ. That that is not how you. And I think what what I understood from from all of it is that just the way that he said it. So for me, it's about do one listen to someone that has that type of 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 um, commentary. I mean, so it, it, I want to say I think um, Julius Malema wasn't well prepared, and I think you know he's a, he's sometimes he can be a good speaker, but I think he. He dropped the ball, and and I think he just made a, a bit of a of himself. So um, it it you know at at, at 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 some point we need to all put together, pull together, and solve the problems. And by being this negative and being this, you know, yeah, I I I just don't think it's it's fair. But to come back, to, may I just say sorry? And I'm just. Um, um, I'll give someone else a chance to talk now. But, you know, with regards to our criminal justice system, um, I do take offense if people say that the criminal justice system is corrupt just because you don't agree with them. We have an adversarial system in, in, in this country and we have a constitution. And that's part of our system is the fact that we will not um, agree. And the reason why we have an appeal process is because it's adversarial. You, if you do not agree, you have a right to appeal. But just because you don't agree with what um, you know Judge Zonu is saying, or that the Constitutional Court is saying, now everyone is corrupt. Now, get me, uh, don't get me wrong. I do think, like everywhere else, there is probably corrupt individuals, and I don't think that the um, judiciary was spared. But. Um, you know, about being contentious and people not being in jail. Sometimes I think that um, um, we need to be, because we, we are of higher EQ, I think we need to be patient. It's the same with Ms. Mieni. We are going through this process. Just remember, we will not stop fighting. But it, we, we realize that right from the beginning, it was a, a, a long game. And we're keeping our... Yeah. Um, you know, our hands, I want to say clean. We don't fight and, and, and mudsling and all of that. And if it means that we need to make a case of, 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 of contempt of court, that is what we will do. And if it means that eventually she will be in jail because she doesn't listen, then that is what we will do. It may not happen tomorrow, but I think all of us sitting here can promise you it will because that is how serious we are about this case. I know you've got a few minutes left before you need to leave us, Stefani, so let me throw a couple of quick questions at you. Where to from here and why is this important? Well, where to from here? Um, I think we, we um, the, uh, Ms. McGinney and her legal team really has got an uphill battle. They have to um, convince the SEA why they were late before their petition will be revived. Um, and like um, Judge Mlambu said in, in, in the judgment on Monday is that her chances of them. Um, and, and, and this is from our uh, Deputy Judge President. So 
um, the, the case does not look good for her. We have received correspondence, in, in, and it does appear that they, they actually do not know what to do now. But, um, but we really think this is the, the, the end of the road. We may have to put down a few fires because they're going to try very hard. You know, what, do you, what does an injured animal do in a corner? You know, it fights back. So mm. um, I do think we're going to, and please, I did not, I'm not saying that they are animals, please. What I'm saying is that they are fighting back. You know, that's, that's, and, and, and that is what we are prepared to do. Is we will also fight back and make sure. Why it's so important? You know, right from the start, we said, um, you know, declaring um, um, someone a delinquent director would be, you know, sort of the, the first one. And it's really the first one where civil society, um, you know, has hold someone to account, which is, you know, a, a, a gold star for civil society. That's what the, the government and, and, and the NPA and, and the police couldn't do. We did with your help, with, 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 with our supporters' help. With SARPA's help, we were able to show that as civil society, if we are not happy and we stand together, this is the type of thing we can do. This is the power we have to, 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 to do something. It may take a little bit longer, but we can. And that's why it's so important. Keith Sanson says, Advocate Fick, yeah. have you received your tea invite from Judge Zondo yet? It, it appears he believes there is a lot to discuss. Uh, will, will any outer uh, team members be uh, be testifying at the Zondo Commission? Apparently, Judge Zondo is showing. He apparently, and, and, and this is again the team, you know, that we uh, that drafted the statement. He apparently liked our statement. Um, but that was when um, Matt testified. So, um, 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 you know, Matt, um, what's Matt's surname? John, Johnson. Johnson. Um, Johnson. He testified at the Zondo Commission. And um, um, and and yo, it was it was hair raising, and you know he did brilliantly. But the information he, he was telling the Zondo Commission was just, you know, it makes your your blood boil. Yeah. The fact that the oversight by Parliament was just not there. Well, it seems to be civil society that's left uh, been left that role in South Africa today. Um, I'm going to run through a couple of comments quest, uh, quickly. Devotion Moodley says board members should act in the best interests of the organization in accordance with the Companies Act. Board members use excuses that by suppressing fraud and corrupt activities, they are assisting the interests of the company. There's a lot of discussion going on about uh, former President Jacob Zuma snubbing the Zondo Commission. Uh, Freddie Mills says, Advocate Fick, my favorite advocate with a pink heart with gold stars on. I've never seen one of those before. That's an extra special pink heart, that one. Uh, and Wayne Duvenage, who is watching, the CEO of Alta, has backed up what you said. Matt Johnston spent a few hours giving input to the Zondo Commission just over a week ago. It was comprehensive stuff. And we had uh, Matt on, I think it was last week, discussing his testimony on the, uh, at the Zondo Commission. And Ivan L says, I watched that. He was brilliant. A lot of people had that to say about Matt. Uh, last week when we discussed this topic. Uh, quickly Brilliant. before you go, uh, Stefani, the uh, IRBA, the, the, the body uh, that are mandated to deal with auditors in this country, uh, the CEO, uh, Janitha John, has resigned from the IRBA. Why, why do you welcome that? Or why is it important? bit of a, a, a sensitive topic because I don't know how many people know where the IRBA and SICA, these are all, um, you know, watchdogs 
um, the IRBA is for, for, for registered auditors. They're basically there to make sure that, um, you know, don't, you know, to take disciplinary steps against registered orders that, that is, is not uh, abiding by the rules. And you can imagine that it's quite important finances and specifically in government because this is where our funds are being spent that they deal with it um, um, in, in, in terms of they deal with it properly. Now Janita John was appointed as CEO but the problem was is that Janita John was also part of the um, you know she was there when that whole scandal at Tonga Hewlett's broke she was part of the non-executive board, but she was also, if I, if I can remember correctly, she was the chairperson of audit and risk. Now, despite that, that the, there was this shenanigans that unfortunately was uncovered. Now, although it was uncovered under the, um, you know, uh, um, under the executive team, the questions were asked, but where were the non-exec team? And isn't that the purpose? So I think what it highlights is that firstly, you know, um, irrespective, in, we need to um, really highlight the fact that non, whether you are an executive or a non-executive board member, you have a duty towards governance. And if you, um, you let on God, or fortunately, was now a private company, but it, it, it's for all companies that um, you know, as a director, you have duties, and that you should you should look after the company to the best of your ability. How can you? Put someone in a position of CEO that comes from, you know, you know this whole mess um, where she was in a, um, you know, in, a, in an oversight position. Now you put her in a CEO position um, for an oversight body. So we questioned that, and we we questioned if if, if this is necessarily a good. Thing. Do you welcome her resignation? Yeah, I think, you know, don't um, 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 beat someone while they are down. So I think she took the, she took the, the right way and, and, and resigned. The whole board of RBA um, was let go by um, the minister. So um, he will have to appoint a new board. But we do welcome it because I think that what we've seen with state capture and in, with our history, is that even you know your auditors, your chartered accountants also played an extremely uh, big part in 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 either you know ex they can either expose corruption and maladministration or they can hide it. So IRBA should start you know looking off uh, doing what their mandate tells them to do and and, and start holding people to account that um, you know does not fulfil their duties mm. and that is why we welcome that. Let's let's start over and let the IRBA start afresh with good people that will take the helm and, and make sure that um, um, auditors are, you know, taken to task if they do not perform. Yeah, I think well. the operative word there is fill the board with good people. I see one of the comments was that there seemed to be some factionalism and battle between good and evil, so to speak, and, 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 and good has won, but the, the minister is going to have to uh, constitute a new board, and, and I guess you'll have your eyes on that. I know that you have given us a lot of your personal time tonight. We have taken half an hour out of a personal engagement, so we're going to let you go as much as we don't want to. Goodbye, Advocate Stefani Fick. Thank you for your time this evening, and we wish you a good night. Thank you. Can I send my, can I send my heart to everyone? Guys, always, I mean, I always, it's a pleasure being here.
Tom, a pleasure seeing you, and 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 you know, a privilege to be here with my with my colleagues. So please enjoy the evening, and hope there's a lot of this the discussion. You're you're looking wonderful. Valentine's weekend was obviously good for you. <laughs> All right, we'll let you go with a no comment. How's that? Okay, so uh, lots of comments uh, happening in the comment section. A lot of conversation about former President Zuma snubbing the Zondo Commission. For example, Spusiso Nzipo says, I wonder if Zuma is arrested, we might experience social unrest. I mean, that's a conversation that's been had in many halls and offices and Zoom meetings and homes around South Africa. Uh, and perhaps that's a topic for uh, one of our future shows to discuss that, uh, that, that snubbing of, of the Zondo Commission and what it means. Is it a precedent-setting uh, move by the former president? Sharish Sani says the old directors of the IRBA were backing John fully. The newly appointed directors held their ground. They paid a high price for their principal stand as Tito Mboweni dismisses the entire board. Good people were burned again. We do see a lot of that, don't we? When whistleblowers stand up, they don't always land up on the winning end of things. There's a lot of talk about Judge Lopez sitting in judgment of Minister Bongo. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a name that's been linked to corruption and a lot coming out this week. That may be a, a future topic for us. We're taking note of all of these comments as they come in this evening and there's a lot happening. It's nice to see your interaction with each other and with the team in the comments section. And uh, I'm just trying to see if there's anything I can pick up quickly before we move on to the next topic. Uh, Donkey Stefani, there we go. I think I think that's the one. Hey, thank you, Stefani. I know what Stefani would say. It's thanks to the support uh, that the uh, that the outer team receives from the outer members and contributors to outer every month. This is a victory for the outer supporters. Lots of compliments coming in for Stefani. Right, let's move on to COVID-19 expenditure. You know, we don't know where we are with COVID-19. We're hearing about a possible third wave coming up as winter approaches. Today, the CEO of Discovery Health, Adrian Gore, said that they believe over 50% of South Africa has already been exposed and had COVID-19. It's all up in the air, and I'm not sure whether the scientists and the medical practitioners really know what's going to happen next. What we do know is a whole lot of money was thrown at this problem. What's happened to this money? Is it another story of corruption for ordinary South Africans to read about in the newspapers? Well, to tell us more about Outer's stance on COVID-19 expenditure is Asavela Kakaza, legal project manager at, at Outer. Asavela, what work are you doing within the COVID-19 expenditure space? Let me get that right. And why? Right. Thank you so much, Tom, for the opportunity and hello to the viewers at home. Um, so just to give a bit of background, um, following the publication by the Gauteng Provincial Treasury of the COVID-19 Expenditure Disclosure Report, I think Arthur, just like everybody else who's concerned about the levels of corruption in this country, were a bit astonished by the results that we saw from that report and we obviously thought that you know something must definitely be done um of course we were very well aware of the fact that you know there's already so many other law enforcement agencies involved within the space so we had to think and look carefully about what exactly could we do um because for us it was important that everybody who was involved within this covid 19 PPE corruption be held accountable, regardless of your profile, whether you're a high-profile person or a low-profile person. I mean, you chose to steal at a time when people were dying, so surely you can't live happily mm. ever after. 
Um, so, so yeah, so we then uh, decided to check what we could do. And uh, in the midst of our research, we found that there is actually another element that perhaps was not receiving as much attention as the other elements to this big puzzle. And that was um, the regulation of the medical devices, um, which includes uh, PPEs. Now, Tom, in terms of the um, Medicines and Related Substances Act, any company or individual that intends to either manufacture, um, distribute, or a wholesale uh, medical devices, they need to be licensed with SAPRA. Now, SAPRA is a regulatory body that is responsible for ensuring that, that the medical devices and medicines that are supplied to people are of good quality and uh, high standard. So, of course, it is also important to mention that um, not all PPEs can be classified as medical devices. Um, some can, but some can't. But I think what fascinated us was the fact that we saw companies that specialized in selling of stationery, companies that specialize in construction, being in the forefront of supplying these medical devices to the Department of Health. And that's when we thought that, you know, something definitely needs to be done here. And um, so one of the things that we did was to actually reach out to SAPRA itself to say, listen, um, we've done our research and investigation, and this is the information that we found. Is there room for possible um, collaboration with you guys so that we can make sure that the people who are responsible for this are held uh, accountable? Um, well, of course, that engagement didn't be much fruit, mm. uh, but SAPRA did give us to say, listen, continue with your investigations and whatever findings you have, you can hand them over to the relevant law enforcement agencies. Um, they also then handed us a list of companies that were licensed with them during the period of the uh, procurement of the PPEs and those that were not. So we then took that list and in conjunction with the report that was published by the Kauteng Provincial and, you know, we worked with that um, because I think for us, it was also important to, to shine light on this uh, conversation because we had stories of how healthcare professionals also got infected because of poor quality of PPE. So we then thought that, you know, it's important that everybody who was involved in this is held accountable. So, yeah, that's what we then decided to do, focus on this uh, SAPRA element. What do you intend to do uh, with these findings? What's the next step? Right. Thank you, Tom. So we obviously intend on uh, submitting this report to the SIU. Um, you know, Tom, one of the things I learned working on this project was, you know, the amount of time and skill and effort that goes into tackling these kinds of uh, investigations. Because one would think that just because the information is uh, publicly available and, you know, so it's easy, you just put one and one together and people get arrested and we live happily ever after. No, that's not even half of it. Mm. So there's a lot of that goes into it. So there's a lot of research, there's a lot of investigation. Um, but yeah, one of Arthur's values is tenacity. So we'll definitely see this through. So yeah. What, what end results would you like to see? Um, so Tom, in, in our report, we do make uh, recommendations. And one of that is um, all the service providers that uh, provided PPEs when they were not licensed with uh, SAPRA. I mean, the Medicines Act is quite clear that it is a criminal offense. And, um, you know, the sentence, the appropriate sentence can either be a term of imprisonment 
not exceeding a period of 10 years, or it can be a fine. Of course, the court has a discretion. Um, so we'd like to see people being brought to book. Um, we were listening to the report by the SIU uh, in the couple of weeks previously, and you know they alluded to the fact that there's about 25 government officials implicated, um, you know, in this PPP corruption. And I think we would like to see those people as well being brought to book. You know, would like to see some form of imprisonment and you know people being held accountable because. If everyone is so equal before the law, then let's see it. You know, people are being arrested every day for not wearing masks. Mm. Can we see being arrested for this as well? Well, this is so, what yeah. Anita Whale is saying. I think it's Whale or Wale. Uh, how many companies were suddenly registered under the minister, family members, etc., to distribute PPE? Get them all out. Cipro also needs to be investigated, me thinks. But it does, uh, it does speak to that point you're making, that when you see companies that are specialists in a totally unrelated industry uh, getting contracts to supply uh, PPE equipment, that there's surely something wrong. Have there, are there links to, to, to government, uh, the high-profile government, people have you found anything yet is is apart you know we've had the embarrassing situation of the the president's former spokesperson uh, being linked to to crazy crazy contracts anything else out there that you've got your eye on right thank you so much tom well obviously um like you said that you know it was obviously one of the things that concerned us the fact that you know we see people who don't well, like who've never been involved in the procurement of medical devices before being in the forefront of supplying um, these uh, 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 medical devices. And yeah, it's quite a long list. There's quite a long, uh, there's quite many companies that we saw. Um, I'm not in a position to say at the moment whether uh, some of them are implicated to high profile figures, um, but it's quite a, a number of um, uh, companies um, that we found that we're not licensed with SAPRA and that we are currently investigating. So, yeah. And will you continue to update us as your investigations and the push to, uh, for justice in this case uh, goes, goes on? Of course, Tom, that is the plan to, you know, keep our supporters updated and everybody knowing, because I think ARTA is obviously viewed as, you know, the voice of reason when it comes to corruption. So it's only best that we also do our part in this space and of course we'll keep everyone um, updated as much as possible. Let me give you some of the comments coming in. Asavela, Rudy Henneke says, thank you for the feedback Asavela. I know how hard you are working on this. Kudos. Uh, Anita Whale, I've read that comment, how many uh, companies were suddenly registered. Uh, Sharon Brin says, Asavela, thanks for clearing up some issues I did not understand. And Caroline Marx says, well done. Those who supplied illegally should be prosecuted. And Yvette Retif says, the criminal offense, offense is making people wear their masks. Okay, we may disagree on that, event, and it's a debate for another night. But we thank you, Asavela. You know, every time you come on, people fall in love with you, and I think the same thing will happen this evening. So thank you, Asavela Kakaza, Legal Project Manager at Alta, for your contribution to the Outer Hour tonight. Stay with us. We want to say goodbye to you at the end of the show. Some thumbs up Thank from, you, only a pleasure, uh, thumbs up from Asavela. Okay, Julius Claydance has been standing by. He's going to give us some information on uh, the local government elections. Are we going to have local government elections? I think that's going to be my first question. And we will also touch on Outer's position when it comes to local government elections. I think more and more South Africans are realizing 
that uh, perhaps we have structural problems in our country. Perhaps we need uh, reform at a, at, at a structural level because we don't seem to be getting the politicians that we want. We don't seem to be getting the accountability that we want. And perhaps there's something wrong with the system. So how does Alta feel about that? But before we get into local government elections, I want to discuss this uh, Human Rights Commission uh, report that's come out uh, on the pollution in the Val River. And Alta has taken a position on it. Alta says, charge and jail municipal and national officials for Val pollution. That's quite a harsh stance, Julius. Why? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, I think, you know, if people of the likes of Caroline Marx is, is um, viewing this on Facebook, welcome everyone. Uh, they will definitely support this position. If you look at sewage pollution in the country, uh, it is significant, and that's hazardous waste that's contaminating our freshwater and marine uh, water resources on a daily basis. We're talking about billions of liters of sewage that's contaminating our, our, our ecological resources. And unfortunately, the severe repercussions is not only ecological and environmental degradation, but also a threat to life and human rights. And, and that's how we ended up with the South African Human Rights Commission, specifically talking to the Vol uh, River contamination, which is something that's not new to anyone. We've heard about attempts uh, and we've heard about billions of rands being flushed down the toilet, if you can put it like that, um, in the vault. And a damning report from the South African Human Rights Commission. Just, just to uh, give everyone a heads up once more, you know, in 2017, we've lodged our first complaint with the South African Human Rights Commission regarding the Department of Water and Sanitation, and that was still under uh, Nombula Mokanyane's watch. Uh, because they didn't publish any water quality results under the Green Drop and the Blue Drop report. And in that, we said that it's, uh, it's a human rights um, complaint because they are the custodians of our water and it's to ensure that water is clean, accessible, you know, and, and protected. And governments dismally fell on that. Following that, uh, we lodged another complaint in 2018 regarding the vol and the contamination that's been happening there. Now we're talking about nine non-compliance certificates that the Department of Water Affairs back in the day issued the Infulini municipality. Now, Tom, if you were to contaminate the water and they issued you with a non-compliance certificate, um, then, you know, so it's a pre-directive, then a directive, then a non-compliance certificate. Then we're talking about criminal legislation. And I um, need to be careful now because Asavela might, might throw me a curveball here. But um, if you look at your Water Act and the Environmental Management Act, when you pollute the water, it's a criminal offense. And that can be also, you can have liability to a fine and up to five years imprisonment for a first offense and a second offense. And if they can prove negligence in that you can be fined up to 10 million rand and 10 years imprisonment. Now, that is very good legislation. In fact, our environmental and water legislation, some of the best in the world, it's, it's very modern. It's just not implemented. And I think that's where we came from. Uh, but, yeah, three years, three years down the line, um, South African Human Rights Commission have uh, absorbed this com these complaints as well as others from the community in Mpuleni. 
and Dave uh, put down a case that said basically uh, that all spheres of governments has dismally failed over consecutive years to fix the sewage problem. Billions have been wasted. These monies need to be recouped. A lot of investigations need to be uh, taking place and government needs to get itself in order. The police need to go after those uh, that were involved with fruitless and wasteful expenditure, get the money back. And the Environmental Affairs Department, as well as the Department of Water and Sanitation, must work together in enforcing the compliance on the, these negligent offences. And that's that's actually great, because the blue scorpions believe they don't have the powers that the green scorpions have. It's different entities, and green scorpions, for the viewers, are in the environmental side. So they look at ecological degradation and they protect your environment under the Environmental Management Act. Now your water pollution is protected under the Water Act. And that is where the blue scorpions um, should come into play and ensure that our water is protected. But yes, let's ask the question, why hasn't anyone been held accountable and taken yeah. to task? Politics as usual, municipalities get get out of jail for free cards and that's why sewage contamination is so widespread in our country you just mentioned it's so widespread in this country i'm just looking at some of the comments coming through for example uh tony says raw sewage has been seeping into the midmar dam near howick kzn for more years than i can remember nothing gets done we know that outer is busy working with the residents of milnerton lagoon in the cape town municipality where nothing gets done either uh, and it just seems wherever you go in south africa today julius our water infrastructure our systems uh, are, are, are collapsing or at least uh, are polluted why is this such a serious issue beyond the obvious i mean we don't want polluted rivers but what are the direct implications for citizens when when our when our water systems are, are polluted what does that mean really look it, it, it's really a big chain reaction but i, I want to take the example of howick um you know the midmar dam being contaminated and this is basically the picture in most of our towns downstream of howick is another town and downstream of that town is another town so what happens is your drinking water gets abstracted from that water course let's say for instance the midmar dam it's supposed to be cleaned but someone is supposed to also clean that water and ensure that the laboratory tests are done and that people actually know what they're paying for tom if you walk into a shop right now and you buy a bottle of water they have to state what's in that water that's what you're paying for who has ever seen what's in their water, what they're paying for every month to their municipality? Now, that gives you some perspective. Now, if you drink that water and obviously use it and you use the toilet and you flush it down, it goes somewhere. And that goes to a wastewater treatment works that's supposed to comply with a water use license and clean it up to an ecological standard where it can be discharged back into that river, which the town downstream then again abstracts and cleans and uses and then discards off and then the town downstream of that does the same thing so so yes all of us drink water that has already been recycling recycled from uh, sewage well most of us before the the viewers say we've got a borehole and yeah. that's just one example but boreholes downstream can get contaminated you're talking about food security issues of crop loss um we're talking about hazardous waste viruses um you know, so it's it's endless. The, the ecological ecological degradation. When our ecosystems fail, we fail. We die. So, in a water scarce country, it's something we cannot play with. And for too long have we um, 
we we relied on the Lesotho Highlands water schemes to dilute our waters in the Val River system. Uh, it's not going to work for long, and the first droughts, as we've seen, um, has pushed up the contamination degree, and we cannot play with it anymore. Before we move on to our next topic, I just want to read uh, Wayne's comments. Wayne says, get the local community to do what Caroline Marks and the Milderton Central Residents Association did and hold the authorities to account. Formal processes and regular testing are required to build a case. And then there was another comment here that I thought was interesting. Yeah, it comes from Kara saying, the big issue we uncovered is magistrates and judges do not have knowledge nor guidance on environmental fines. They don't believe it is important. Well, pressure from civil society and communities can change that, and a bit of publicity would uh, go a long way to educating those in the justice system who you say are, uh, are unaware of their responsibilities and their duties. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a whole show, Julius, and I know you're passionate about water, so we could go on and on and on, but let's talk about local government elections, shall we? It is the year of local government elections, or is it? And it will be interesting to see which political parties make what promises and what the voter turnout will be like, and also who will be in charge of your town. This is if voting takes place due to COVID. What is the public sentiment out there? Well, there's a question for you. Put your sentiment down in the comment section. It doesn't seem like political parties are popular right now, are they? Uh, not at all. If, if you look at the example I just gave you now, that's been under political supervision, and that's why councillors are elected to hold your administration to account. You know, if you've seen the amount of political interventions that we've seen, and let's to be honest, municipalities are falling apart. We've seen provincial uh, politics trying to take over local government politics. We've seen the interventions happening, coming and going. Uh, cities are failing, towns are failing, and it is polit politics are to blame. This is a significant issue. You know, I, I spoke to a former colleague the other day trying to understand these political dynamics a bit better, Tom. and. And sadly, you said, you know what, politics these days have become a political career. Back in the day, um, you know, you were a professional person who dedicated your private time to serve your community, have oversight, uh, and, and add value to your fellow man in where you stayed. All of us listening and watching this now stay in a ward under a political party that's governing. doesn't matter where you are in South Africa. So where, gone are the days where people out of their um, love for their community just served in a professional capacity, not expecting anything. What's happened is that it's become a political career. Now, everyone with a career might have some ambitions. So all of a sudden you're seeing dynamics in political parties that you start somewhere at the bottom and you work with yourself right up to the top. Now in a business, it's about what value do you add to that business and do you make it grow? Do you make it profitable? That's how you climb the ladder. In a political party, they, what product are you selling? You know, so if, if you, and it's going to be interesting with the, the new act coming out there where political parties need to disclose where they get their funds from. But what made you valuable to climb up the ranks in a political party? So, it's been long lost of serving the public. It's serving the political interest and making a career out of that. And sadly, um, you know, I think where uh, Stefani also mentioned earlier, 
individuals get desperate because it's all they have. They've got everything to lose, lifestyles of significance. Um, but unfortunately, they gained that uh, at the detriment of the poor and good people in South Africa. And that needs to stop them. You use the word sadly. I think it's quite sad for the people in government and civil service who are dedicated and do dedicate their lives to serving communities. And they are in uh, our, 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 our municipalities and towns around the country. But it uh, appears as if their good intentions and their voices get drowned out all too often. What do you, what do you think should happen politically? What, what kind of change, political changes do you think we should see uh, to fix local government? Well, I think I think this is this is a very good question. You know, if you look at the dynamics in the country at the moment, there's something brewing. People are hurtful of politicians and empty promises. They haven't been proved better. You know, if you go now with local elections coming up, um, you have an option of a variety of political parties that that you you know you really vote for. They put people forward that you need to elect between. In one or two of them, you don't know them from a bar of soap. And I think this is where it's very important now for South Africans to to turn it on its head. It cannot be politics as usual. We need to take ownership of our towns. And I think that's where it's important that independent candidates need to become the new buzzword going around. Where you don't have people that you elect or vote for that report back into a political party but where they actually report to the community, you know, where, where the community selects or, uh, you know, it identifies three or four or five uh, community leaders. You know, it's the same people that, that always serve the community. We know these people. You can think of them right now yeah. as you're listening and watching this. And we need these individuals to step up and take that spot so that we can follow them, but also so that we can keep all them to account. You know, I think that that's going to be the significant change that South Africans need, and we need to take ownership on that. If we can ring fence um, our votes into our communities, then we've got the say of how it needs to be governed. We've got the say to where our money must go, and we can start influencing and stopping the siphoning off and looting of our towns and turn it out. But it's it's a journey. It's not going to fix everything overnight. We need to be realistic about this, but we need to also step up and do something about it. Julius, I'm looking at some of the comments coming in uh, to Arthur's, uh, the answers to Arthur's question. Would you vote for an independent candidate instead of a political party? Let's take a look at what our viewers and listeners are saying. Sharon Brin says yes. Ray Spencer says I'll very strongly consider this option. Terry Lee Hur says I would vote for an independent candidate. Marina Mulberg-Smith says yes. Everyone's saying yes. In fact, Roland Krabenhoff says absolutely. Warren Fouché says most definitely. Caroline Marx says councillors appear to be selected according to their willingness to toe the party line. We've heard that in the Zondo Commission over the last week and the ability to be manipulated. Terry Lee Hoy says we are cut fault. Uh, Tiago Dos Santos Serra says absolutely. Uh, who else is on board here? Look for a couple more. Uh, Caroline says, if you earn 20 grand a month and you get a councillor posted 60 grand a month, would you rock the boat by asking questions? Always money at the end of the day. Eh? And Law Bramley says, certainly it's our only survival. 
And Rudy Heinecke says, are the elected councillors really serving you in your district, town or city? If not, change it. Bertus de Wet says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Bertus reckons that governments all over the world are failing citizens and we should take our towns back from governments and run them privately. Is that an option? Has that been done? I think that's that's where it's steering towards. You know, um, it's failed so badly that the courts are left, right, and centre. You know, making judgments in favour of communities, communities who just got to a point where they've tried everything in their power to convince the people who are supposed to serve them to do their jobs, what they're being paid for, and they couldn't take it any longer. You you cannot sit without water for a day. Uh, and especially not consistently. And, and just remember one thing. Uh, businesses don't invest in South Africa. They invest in a town where everyone stays, where the employees stay. That's where the assets are. And that's how an economy develops and grows. So we, we need to ensure that our towns get uplifted and actually uh, the infrastructure is in place for economy to, economy to thrive. So, yes, I think... If you're talking about private, um, I suppose you can look into how uh, your security complexes have been established and some of these things are moving off the grid. But that's not the sustainable option. We need to ring fence it more so that a broader community can actually um, benefit out of it. But again, where it is administered and managed in that community. It doesn't have to happen with a party line, with a vested agenda that sits somewhere in Cape Town or somewhere in Joburg, far from where the real things happen. But this is where we all need to take ownership and uh, back these kind of initiatives. Final question for you, Julius. What's your advice to the outer hour viewers and South African residents uh, when it comes to uh, future local government politics and choices we make? Look, I think I think there's there's two sides of it. Um, from an outer point of view, uh, get organised. Civil society must get organised. You know, this is what we've been doing on a national level. Um, and look at where we've gone. It, it, we, we've come. You know, it's everyone that's supporting us. Everyone that's listening to this, watching this, that's backed outer to become organised sustainable and taking on and holding government to account that said civil society also needs to become more organized in local level uh, not only to hold government to account but to actually um, you know identify the needed resources to fix the town to get the leaders and influence change and get those leaders to run the town um, through the political system that exists. You don't have to be a political party. You don't have to report to a political party. But this is how we're going to do it. And the only way we can do it is by civil society to do it themselves. Are we going to see, cannot are we gonna see more? Because we are not political. Are we going to see more from Alta when it comes to local government? Are we going to see more from Alta when it comes to the local uh, government elections and... and and uh, independent candidates, the push for independent candidates. What, what more will we see from you? Look, as Alta, we want to ensure that civil society is organized and able to hold all uh, whoever governs to account at all spheres of government. So we will definitely play our civil society role and uh, see how we can create structures to hold ever is um, in power accounts, even if it's an independent councillor. 
but I, I also think, you know, that one has to be vocal about this. We've seen uh, political dynamics in the country shape over time. It's nothing new to us. Nothing's going to surprise us. You know, we can see factions are being created now. And what we need to ask ourselves as civilians, as residents, as South Africans, is what can we do now to break that, to turn it on its head, to make a difference? And I think that's where it's very important that people start having these discussions in their communities and getting the leaders involved and creating these tactics and dynamics on how they can actually start getting candidates in the local elections and push for independent councillors. I hear it said more and more nowadays, Julius, the Constitution is one thing that gives us the set of rules, but the Constitution is a piece of paper that can't jump out and save South Africa. It's up to South Africans, and perhaps it is the ordinary South African that ultimately has the power to change things in South Africa for the better. I think that's, that's I'm, I'm paraphrasing or, 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 or praising what, you, what you're saying, I guess, that it really, the power, once we realize it as South African citizens, the power is in our hands. Perhaps we'll start joining hands and acting together. Well, can you believe it? That's an hour gone like that. Blink, blink of an eye, and outer hour is done. All that's left to do is thank our contributors tonight. Stefani Fick is uh, off at an engagement. So we thank Stefani for her time this evening. Asavela Kakaza, thank you, Asavela. I see people are falling in love with you just as fast and hard as they fall in love with Stefani Fick. Asavela Kakaza is a legal project manager outer. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I had a great time. Only a pleasure. And then Julius Kleinhans is your outer executive manager of public governance division. Thank you, Julius. Always a pleasure, Tom. And thanks for all the listeners. And, uh, you know, thank you all for your support. That is why we've got such a quality team and that we can sustain the work that we are doing. We've got a lot of work that lies ahead of us. And thank you for joining with us fighting the good fight and i think seeing that wayne is listening wayne it's time for the moral courage awards we've got such good uh, south africans out there doing such good work we want to see something happening with that mm. and i think we might need to make something that count, happen count me in the show count me the in that's it count me in let's this. shine the spotlight on decent hard-working south africans for a change nice one thank you julius thank That's you to it. the team thank you to Benele sanata the producer of the show behind the scenes and in the comment section tonight we're samantha van Nispen, head of comms and marketing at alza and Iva clearly they have been answering your questions and engaging with you don't forget you can go to alta.coza if you haven't been to the website shame on you go to alta.coza and find out what the organization called alta actually does for you once you get to that website you will find a maze and you will be amazed at the kind of projects that the small team at outer 40 odd people working hard every single day for the rights of south african citizens and undoing tax abuse in south africa you will get a good idea of what the outer team is up to and if you haven't pressed the join now button consider joining outer now hit that join now button and become part of the movement thank you for watching Next week, we will have another show with more issues, with more thought leaders from outer, with more contributors, with more participants. We will chip away at this 
massive mountain called corruption until it is gone. We'll do it together. So we invite you, wherever you may be, whether it's Tel Aviv, we saw, I saw Buffalo, New, New York are on board tonight. People from all over the world and all over South Africa watch this show live. And if you're watching post-live, if you're watching it tomorrow or the next day, if you know what I mean, your view is just as important to us. So thank you for pressing the play button on Outer Hour. Do remember, you can join us at 7 o'clock every Wednesday night on Facebook, on Outer's page. Facebook Live is where it's at. And we invite you to make it a date next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Until then, stay safe, stay warm, show everyone you meet love as opposed to hate. Hopefully you'll make a few rands and put some food on the table and you'll reach us next Wednesday at 7 in fine spirit and form. I'm Tom London and I miss you already. Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters.